0: Welcome in, everyone, to the Tuesday edition to the Fantasy Central podcast, XFL style. I'm your host, Rod Villagomez. You can find me on Twitter at RJVillagomez. Find the show on Twitter at XFL Fantasy Cast jam-packed show. Uh, this, this show is so packed with goodness that uh, I, I'm not even going to uh, waste too much time getting into it, and I'm also not going to do a so what, because look, there's not much news that came out today that didn't come out yesterday uh, that we can take as actionable news. Other than maybe the fact that Quentin Flowers wants a trade, but uh, we are not here to speculate on where Quentin Flowers lands. We're here to evaluate his worth once he gets where he goes. So Until we know that, and until we know he's on another team, it's not news yet. So not news to us, anyways. So again, we won't do a so what this week because we've just got so much good stuff. We have got Justin Freeman from Number Ball. He's going to tell us how to win a, a FanDuel tournament. Uh, the guy took down a 10K tournament the other day. Uh, it, it's phenomenal. We're going to hear about it. We're going to talk to him about his strategy and all that good stuff. And then Adam's back again. It is waiver wire Tuesday, so we got stuff for you to talk about, players to put on your radar, and for you to put in your waiver wire uh, queue. So uh, best of luck to you uh, on trying to grab these guys. So uh, all right. Again, outstanding show, can't wait to get to it, so let's do it. I am so very pleased to actually hear the voice of a guy I've been following on Twitter for a long time now. He's Justin Freeman. He is a contributor to Numberball, Numbersball, Numberball, right? Number, You'll correct me. (laughs) Uh, To Numberball DFS, yes, it is a a, a site that uh, also covers the XFL and Justin does it. So Justin, thanks for being on the show.
1: I appreciate it, man. I um, I've been loving some XFL, and and you and I were just kind of chatting it up pre-show about how you know among your group of friends there there's not a whole lot of people to talk uh, XFL and chop it up about. So uh, I'm always interested to talk to a fellow XFL nerd about such. Uh, wonderful events.
0: Well, and the thing is, is that we say, and and I mean, I think all of us feel it, that the pool of XFL fans in our community is so small. And then even still smaller is the pool of DFS players or fantasy players in the XFL community. So we have to go outside of our comfort zone to talk to folks who want to talk to us about it
1: yeah exactly um it's weird i'm starting to find all these like little niche bubbles on twitter and different communities and things like people are interested in xfl and people are kind of passionate about it and you know especially like i think one key differentiator with some of the other spring leagues like the dfs has really been successful and i know um You know, the tournaments are getting smaller and the interest is dropping. I think all that's kind of to be expected and everything. Um, But, you know, there is a a group that's dedicating lots of resources and lots of time to trying to figure this thing out. And, you know, luckily for me, like it's been – Going pretty well so far this year through four weeks. Like, uh, you know, definitely, definitely showing a lot of profit, especially after last week.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about last week. Let's get right into it because the reason I brought you on is because you're a rich man now, and uh, I wanted to pick your brain, and I want all of our listeners to be able to uh, to kind of get inside of what it takes to take down a pretty decent GPP. You, my friend, uh, had a screenshot of your last week's winnings, and uh, you took down a pretty, pretty nice little payday, nice GPP. So, talk talk through that week. Talk through the. Strategy. Let's just talk about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. I um, actually was able to take this one down on Fanduel. Um, I don't play a ton on Fanduel. I get most of my action in on DraftKings. But um, I, I, th- I saw a tournament was going to overlay. It was the uh, three thirty-three uh, monster, and it was the Saturday only deal. And so I always think it's like a good idea to mix up your exposures a little bit. Like especially if you're going to be playing a lot of lineups. It's not necessarily as important if you're just kind of a one lineup player, but. If, if you're going to play a lot of lineups and, and you're trying to essentially create a portfolio of players across you know the spectrum or, of a full slate, like it's nice to have different slates going. And so for me, this was the Saturday only two game slate, and so top prize was 10k and was able to take that down. And um, you know, remember it was a uh, the LA game. Um, Obviously LA kind of struggled a little bit against the Guardians and ended up losing that game. I wouldn't have seen that coming, but was still able to get to first behind Josh Johnson and a Trey McBride uh, stack. So that worked out really well. Um, yeah, I had Saeed Blacknall in all my DraftKings lineups. And if I'd had him as well, like I'd have probably, you know, really walked away and cakewalked with it. But uh, it, it didn't take that on on the Saturday slate. So Luckily, I was able to get there mostly on on that stack. It was it was not as popular as it should have been. I think obviously when you looked at Trey McBride and how he was looking heading into that week, um, there was some concerns over his playing time and whether or not he was truly healthy or not. But I actually kind of wrote this up last week, and this this general idea of. You know, taking what we know about regression in the NFL, you know, where we assume that players who are just playing out of their minds can't continue to play out of their minds forever. Like, because the talents are great in the NFL, like, the, you know, you're going up against elite level competition week after week. You just don't sustain all these like out of this world performances. But I thought it was like really within the realm of possibilities that in the XFL, that might be completely different. Like the talent gap from the top of the roster to the bottom of the roster Maybe astronomical in the XFL. So maybe a guy like Trey McBride who, you know, saw I think it was six uh, six uh, targets in week three on only I think it was 11 or 13 snaps, something like that, um, and caught in, caught five of them for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Like, maybe he's actually really freaking good. And that, that <laughs> matters. And so I was able to get him at ownership far lower than where he should have been. But, uh, yeah, heading out of that game. It was interesting because, um, you know, I needed the St. Louis-Seattle game at the end of the day to be kind of low scoring and, you know, not a whole lot going on. I had Demorne Pearson L and Matt Jones, and somehow, despite only 20 yards from Matt Jones, was able to take home first because the uh, that first set of games was good enough for me.
0: Matt Jones, man. And, and to, to, to win with Matt Jones on your roster after last week, that my friend is an impressive Herculean strength. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny that you talked about, uh, the regression and, and, and how, uh, players can stay on top. You know, you, we really thought Cam Phillips was going to be a guy like McBride coming into this week too. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I think I might've said it a little bit earlier on, on the week of the show that maybe this is the week that Cam Phillips doesn't deliver, but I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I didn't, I said it but i don't think i really believed it because i thought cam (laughs) would really i mean you know again to continue to dominate and unfortunately he didn't and i think that's where a lot of my lineups went south was i rode that stack one too many times
1: yeah and i rolled it out on DraftKings in my in the four game slate lineups and somehow was able to still have a really really good weekend and if that had happened uh, and if he had succeeded a little bit i'd have had a huge monster weekend but um yeah I, i I kind of thought, obviously, three touchdowns a game, maybe that's not sustainable. <laughs> but I thought, you know, obviously his his role and his floor seemed as good as any players in the league. Um, so I, I like that, but obviously, I think just Dallas was dedicated to not getting beat by that guy. Um, you know, they just sort of rolled coverage his way, all game long, um, you know, made Philip Walker make plays with his legs. um so he dropped back into zone coverage and, you know, basically said, you know, Philip Walker, you beat us some other way, and we're going to make sure that uh, that Cam Phillips is not the guy who does it. And Walker did that. Walker had plenty of uh, rushing production and was able to find Nick Holly and connect with him. And Khalil Lewis was involved. And so, you know, I think that goes to uh, show that the the Roughnecks are easily the favorite to to win the whole thing this year. So, uh, and definitely a team that you're interested in stacking week after week. I mean, even. I mean, the floor for a player like Philip Walker is just so, so high. And then the ceiling's even higher than that. Um, You could really just close your eyes and build around Philip Walker every week and probably be a profitable player.
0: And see, that's the thing where I know that when you, when you play DFS, you get burnt and you don't want to go back to that well again. But this is one of those wells that I have a feeling that even – so if you're a one lineup person, maybe you keep rolling this out. I mean, I don't know. And eventually you're going to hit. Because, again, in DFS, it only takes one good week to have a good, a good month, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, and so if you can continue to, to roll out these $10 tournaments, you know, if you only lose, what, $40 in that month, uh, but the mm-hmm. potential to win, you know, at least 10k like you did, or or you know, if you win one of those 50k tournaments or whatever, um, I, I think you're you're better off trying to roll it. But I think you're right in what you said earlier about diversifying and playing. I mean at least four or five different lineups you know uh, across certain uh, different uh, types of of um, contests because we talk a lot about spreading it around you know playing double ups playing fifty 50s uh, you know playing in cash games and playing GPPs so I, I think you're better off using um Especially in cash games, that philip uh, cam Phillips and and Philip Walker connection because you're right, that floor uh, it, last week aside because there are outliers everywhere, but that floor is is too good to pass up. I mean, no matter what the price.
1: yeah, exactly. and I mean Philip Walker is just gonna get there regardless. I mean whatever you take away he's he's shown that he's good enough to to find it elsewhere. Um, you know, obviously, if you load up on a guy like cam Phillips, it, it could burn you, but I think we've seen the odds are sort of against that. If it, you'd actually be a lot less likely to return profit when you're chasing some of the mid-priced guys, like because there is a big drop-off between the top tier of players and the next tier of players. Because for every Nick Holly who burst on the scene with, um, you know, almost 100 yards and a touchdown, um, had a great game. You're you're chasing everybody else who's in that same price range who did not perform, and the hit rate's just not there. Whereas if you played Cam Phillips every week, if you played Donald Parham every week, if you played Trey McBride every week, like uh, you know, there's a even artist Payne. Um, There's a there's a reason these guys are priced up and you're a lot better, in my opinion, to go with the stars and scrubs approach um, and and then, you know, diversify that and diversify around who those scrubs are that that sort of round out the rest of your roster. Because, you know, then maybe every once in a while you land on a Saeed Blacknall or you land on, um, you know, DeAndre Goolsby or somebody like that who just completely turns your lineup into a absolute screamer and, and you're just, you're, you're killing it and you're, you're differentiated in a way that other people are. And, you know, you mentioned getting in four or five lineups. i definitely encourage people, um, to make sure, like, as far as contest selection goes, if you are just a one lineup player, like exclusively play in single entry contests, like you're just going to get your lunch eaten if you throw it into the like $10 huge tournament. And I get the fun of that. And I, I would be tempted to do that myself. But, you know, <laughs> if you're if you're playing year one against other people's 150, you just don't stand much of a chance. Uh, overall to, to, to have a good Payday you know find your single Entries and if you're, you are you want to play three Then find a three max or you know Make sure you're searching out and, and putting Yourself in a like a level playing field Situation that's something we kind of preach Over at Numberball, ball um, and for People who are interested in learning more about that Like I try to talk a little bit about contest Selection each week in my weekly uh, Rundown that comes out on Fridays At numberball.com just click on XFL Everything's free um, you know we're Traditionally a, a premium website and we try for our NFL, NBA, um, MLB content, but uh, you know we're we're wide open. We want everybody to you know get a little bit of a glimpse as to what we put out there and quality of our work. And uh, I think if people go check us out at numberball.com, um, they'll be pleasantly
0: surprised. I'm glad I didn't have to pitch you to do that. I, yeah, I was I was going right. to do it. Hey, I,
1: I, I am not too. Uh, sh- I've got plenty of shame. Don't worry about me. I'll, I'll insert my shameless plugs anywhere.
0: <laughs> no, and that again, I, I said it on on uh, the X and gold podcast, and I've said it on mine a, a bunch of times. It's like you know, people say, "Well, well, why why do you why are you a fantasy guy or or why are you a host?" And I say, you know, the reason that I do this is because I bring people that are far smarter than myself on, uh, so that I can learn just as much as the people listening can learn. Because you know, I'm not. I'm not a super pro. I mean, and I know that a lot of the folks I bring on aren't super pros, but they have far more extensive knowledge than I do on the subject. And I just, I want everybody to learn just as much as I am. So uh, I appreciate, like I said, your work. And that's why I wanted to give you a platform to to show people where you're at too, because I, I think um, the more we're all better off learning this XFL thing, I think in season two, it's just going to get even better once they start to uh, really get a handle on on what they're doing here.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, the, the the longer this goes on, the sharper the action going to get from a DFS perspective. Um, so I'm just interested in trying to cash in as often as possible here <laughs> in season one uh, while everybody's still trying to figure it out. I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't want to uh, make it seem like I have, uh, you know, solved the, solved the puzzle or anything. But, um, you know, I think if you put in a lot of hard work and you're willing to, you know, start – Copying and pasting stats from a hundred different places and and really look things up and and do your homework, you can uh, you can be profitable by outworking people, and that won't be the case forever. You know, once you know a lot more places are offering you know pretty sophisticated statistics across the board, it doesn't take long for DFS to get super super competitive to the point where you know everybody's just sort of paying the rake and. Um, Yeah, I think right now there's a chance to move on. So, you know, those people who aren't playing DFS right now, you know, maybe this is your chance. Like, I think, you know, there's only been so many opportunities in DFS to chase large edges, and I think there's large edges to be had uh, in sort of how people are putting together lineups. you know, people are still putting together, like, these multi-running back lineups, which, you know, um, that can work out. But I think we've seen, you know, optimally, you, you know, your lineup needs to contain four wide receivers, one running back, and, uh, and a quarterback. Like It seems like it's pretty much a, that, that part of XFL DFS seems solved to me.
0: Yeah no and so you you were talking about the the four running backs and the and or I'm sorry the four running backs yeah that would kill you the four receivers and a running <laughs> oh, back um, let, let's transition a little bit into what we're looking at early here in in the week I mean the pricing came out we already know what's going on I don't know how much you've had a chance to take a look at it but when you when you approach you said Cameron Artis Payne a, a while back you you offered him as an mm-hmm. a, um, example last week I had said. Cameron Artis Payne, yes, but at a way cheaper price point because I think Cameron Artis Payne was about eight thousand dollars, and Lance Dunbar was sitting there at sixty seven hundred dollars, yep. and he's had comparable uh, stats to a guy like Cameron Artis Payne, and and if he would have fell into the end zone, would have had a better day a couple weeks ago, um, yep. and would have given me twenty five k. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was
1: not that you remember that or anything.
0: Oh, I'm going to remember that for a very long time. That's the closest I ever came to taking down a, an entire tournament. It was a fan. My listeners have already heard this, but it was a fan duel tournament. Uh, Lance Dunbar fell at the one the one foot line. And, uh, and if he would have crossed that goal line, that had given me six more points, I would have had the, the takedown and I wouldn't Ooh. have, I wouldn't have had the entire one because there was like three other people that had the same lineup as me, but I would have had the share of, of 50 uh, K uh, to take home. So, <laughs>
1: Gosh, my stomach aches for
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it ached for me for a while. But anyways, so so we talk about a guy like Lance Dunbar and a guy like Cameron Artis Payne. If you were to to maybe cycle out two two running backs, I think those might be the only two um that you could probably feasibly do and and get similar production for. And in fact, Cameron Artis Payne this week comes in at eighty two hundred on uh, on DraftKings, and you got to scroll down quite a bit to find Lance Dunbar, really? Oh, no, I'm sorry, 7600 for Lance Dunbar. Yes, so the pricing is, has uh, tightened up a little bit then
1: yeah yeah they've de- definitely tightened up and matter of fact uh, I was on Dunbar last week as well um and that that worked out you know Dunbar played well scored a touchdown caught a couple passes um did what he does they're both used uh sort of remarkably similar like they're both involved in the pass game they're both involved in the run game Dunbar's involved near their goal line which you know maybe most people wouldn't expect so you know I think his rushing touchdown uh, expectation is relatively high. Um, obviously, Dallas doesn't run the ball a ton. They like to they like to drop back and throw, um, unlike a team like St. Louis, for example. So, yeah, you could play them because they're so involved in the pass game. Like, um, obviously, we've seen Landry Jones. We won't get Landry Jones this week, but we'll get Philip Nelson. This team likes to check down to running backs. So it seems like they're kind of content to operate behind the line of scrimmage and make the defense, you know, press and then try to take their vertical shots after that and it's pretty much been parham and we've seen you know flynn nagel kind of burst on the scene last couple weeks so yeah I, I like both of them but I, I probably can't justify two running backs from the same team both priced above seventy five hundred dollars um at least this week I, I think it's interesting when you consider running back teammates obviously last week if you played the tampa bay running backs you'd have done pretty well and i don't mean the same like you can't win or you I mean, you could actually kind of create a contrarian advantage for yourself by playing multiple running backs, but I do think more times than not, um, You know, you're kind of limiting your upside because we've seen, you know, the true breakout games in the XFL have have come for receivers. It's just especially if you're doing DraftKings where it's full point PPR and you get the three points for the 100 yard bonus. Like it's just a lot easier to get to the 100 yard receiving bonus than it is the 100 yard rushing bonus. So that's why I kind of like that general approach. But there's not a you know, I still have Lance Dunbar, despite his seventy six hundred dollar price tag, going to be checking in towards the top. Of uh, value on DraftKings this week with with Cameron Artis paying right behind him, so they're still um, to me a tad bit underpriced based on what they've been delivering. Um, and then you can consider you know some other running backs like Davion Smith, obviously had a great game last week against DC. He'll go up against LA, and I would want to point out that the uh, the Wildcats defense, who uh, the the, the Vipers will get to play against this week Has been getting absolutely decimated By opposing running backs They're um, allowing over Five yards per carry Which is just uh pretty preposterous matter of fact it's 5.7 yards per carry just getting destroyed um so I, I like opportunities where i think um running backs can find explosive plays and so it looks like we're going to have that against the la defense
0: all right one more running back to bring uh, bring up and talk about and then we'll move on to wide receivers real quick because i think that's where i know you say that the the most impact is but what do you do with a guy like kenneth farrow in that seattle backfield
1: you completely fade the whole Seattle backfield. Um, th- there's three guys, and they're all used more or less interchangeably. Um, they, they have slightly different roles, but the amount of time they're on the field and the opportunity they get is just too similar, and there's too many mouths to feed. I, I'm super optimistic around B.J. Daniels and what that means maybe to the entire offense. We've seen running backs when paired with mobile quarterbacks um, find running lanes, um, so I could see that as a point towards Farrow, but I think I'd argue that that has just as much of an opportunity to affect Jaquan Gardner and to a lesser extent Trey Williams. Um, yeah, until one of those guys, you know, maybe goes down with an injury or is just sort of removed from the rotation. There's just too many mouths to feed there in Seattle for me.
0: Okay. I agree. I, I, I was high on Trey Williams last week uh, as far as maybe having potential to catch a bunch of passes, and that fell flat. Absolutely flat. Yeah. So, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, nobody caught passes in that offense, no. to your credit. <laughs> no, they did not. Yeah. <laughs> Which was good for me because I needed Austin Pearl to stay quiet, and he certainly did. <laughs> stay quiet. He, so. he
0: basically was... Duct taped his mouth <laughs> shut over there on the sidelines. I don't know what happened.
1: Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. And I think, you know, trying to figure out anybody to play with BJ Daniels is going to be a little bit of a chore. Like, I, I, he may not throw a passing touchdown. He may rush you in. Uh, it's honestly not all that different than, you know, when we were playing Lamar Jackson in NFL DFS. Like, you could feel completely fine playing him without pairing him with any pass catchers.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Just a total naked, uh, um, uh, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, you could roll that out there. Exactly. Uh, all right. So let's talk about a couple receivers uh, before we wrap things up. And and as far as are we riding the McBride train again? Is this something that we're gonna gonna lock in and against Tampa Bay? I don't know. It feels kind of like a like a steal.
1: Yeah, it's weird because like you're trying to figure out like what to expect from a Tampa Bay defense because um, you know obviously they. They just pitched a shutout against uh, Cardell Jones and made him look like an elementary school quarterback. So uh, it's it's hard to know exactly what to expect, but. Um, You know, Trey McBride is going to be the third highest-priced receiver on the board this week, behind Cam Phillips and Nelson Spruce. It's just interesting to me to consider. I I don't know. You may know more than I do about Nelson Spruce's injury status and whether we expect him to play this week.
0: So far, it's all pointing to no. I mean, again, they thought maybe that he could probably go, but uh, again, we talked about it in yesterday's episode. As far as injury reports, I can't trust anything that anybody says. So.
1: yeah exactly uh did you did you uh survive elijah hood uh false reporting in uh week four because it seemed like everybody had uh retweeted the fact that elijah hood was out and then he was back in and then he only played what like five snaps or something i like faded that, so.
0: hood completely but where yeah. that bit me in the butt was the larry rose prediction because i said That's with right. carter out with with elijah hood on the injury report here's the time for larry rose to step up and guess who didn't step up
1: yeah, sorry about that. Nah, that's <laughs> all right. I just I yeah, thought for rough, sure I was definitely having considerations about throwing Larry Rose, and I definitely would have completely modified all my lineups to fit Larry Rose if uh if if Hood was indeed out. So glad glad it worked out exactly the way it did. <laughs> but yeah, Trey McBride at ninety seven hundred. So that's going to cost eighteen hundred dollars cheaper than Cam Phillips, just to put that into perspective. Two hundred dollars more than Donald Parm. So. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested in him. Um obviously my projection of him is gonna be very contingent on what we learn about Nelson Spruce. Um and and if he's out, then I think Trey McBride certainly in consideration as, as being one of the more efficient wide receivers in the league. Um, like his yards per route runs easily number one in the league. His yards per target easily number one in the league. He's a deep play threat. He's a possession receiver. He does it all. Like you can tell some of these guys who spent a lot of time on NFL rosters really stand out as being truly talented compared to everybody else that they're around. And he's got the eye of Josh Johnson. So as long as those targets keep coming – Uh, we can continue to project a lot of success there for McBride. Um, but yeah, so I'm interested in him. I'm I'm still interested in going back to Cam Phillips. Um, I I have no problem sort of returning back there. Obviously, we'll have to look a little bit further down in the salaries to get some of the the true values. Like you know, a guy like Jalen Tolliver still only priced around fifty seven hundred dollars, and I mean he's playing. You know, like a really strong receiver, especially with Taylor Cornelius there kind of steadying the ship. I, I mean, I think Taylor Cornelius looks pretty decent to me. Um, so it's it's really just him and Dan Williams. I was wondering whether S.J. Green would be a thing in that offense. It, it doesn't seem like at least yet. Um, so and, and then Sean Tavius, I was wondering with with him coming back as well. Whether he'd impact any targets, but it seems like not. It seems like it's Dan Williams and then Jalen Tolliver with a little bit of Reese Horn. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a really good price point.
0: Yeah, I was uh, I was kind of hoping for the S J Green thing too. I threw a FanDuel lineup out there uh, for the Sunday only with with S J in it and. Uh, yeah. If he'd have done anything, I would have had a better day. But uh, he, yeah, uh, he was out for one route that I saw, and and then Tressman was saying you're blocking Esther you're blocking. I was like, no, don't say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, let him go, man. Let him go. Uh, all
0: right. So one last name I want to bring up, uh, because it, this is one of those names that I don't know that a lot of people are paying much attention to, uh, because it, you know he's getting buried by the Cam Phillips, the Spruces, the McBrides, but Demornier Pearsonell over there in St. Louis, oh, yeah. he's pretty much on top of the target lead and and doing very well over there in st louis kind of quietly
1: yeah so this i think the thing you just have to realize that that's the good with the bad when it comes to playing a st louis player is they just they want to run the ball ad nauseum like until the cows come home they just want to put it in the belly of matt jones and put it in the belly of kristen michael and even keith ford and leonard tillery like it, the the <laughs> the depth there is 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 pretty pretty good um a lot of nfl talent there obviously and that's what they want to do and when they're not putting it in those guys bellies it's jordan tamu taking off and basically he is a behind the line of scrimmage thrower like their the catch rate on the team is north of 80 percent, which is unheard of like tamu's completion percentage is just insane and so You know, you're not getting a ton of explosive plays. like So that's not a huge staple of the offense, but it hasn't had to be yet either. Um, So maybe if you could project a little bit more of a competitive game script. And so they're playing D.C. this week, and uh, I don't know, maybe it, maybe it will be, but we haven't seen a whole lot from D.C. in the last couple games that would show that they've got an ability to you know create plays when they need it. So that would be the only word of caution I have uh, around playing any pass catcher from St. Louis is that the pie is smaller. Um, it's going to be an extremely efficient pie, but it's definitely smaller than a lot of the other teams. Like, you know, he's going to get, you know, kind of comparable volume to, um, you know, maybe a lead receiver on a team like Dallas who's just throwing the ball all over the place, even though his, you know, target market share is gonna be a lot higher. So yeah, I, I think you can definitely consider playing him. He's he looks better than the other players on the field when he's out there running routes. And so I think that's valuable and you know, anytime you can sort of lock in uh, a floor, and I think you get that with Pearson L, you get a really good floor. Um, you know, you're going to get four catches and 50 yards out of him every week, I think, um, with the upside to do a little bit better. Um, and especially if, if the game can start shooting out and we see Tamu dropping back a little bit more, um, he's really interesting.
0: Any other players before we, uh, before we let you go that, that you, you want to bring up and, and maybe talk about uh, looking at here in the early builds?
1: Well I think at the quarterback position there's just so many really interesting ways to go like now that the you know position battles are really starting to clear up around the league you and, and now the pricing is adjusting to those position battles it's really interesting like I am I'm going to be way too excited to play BJ Daniels this week he's the shiny new toy <laughs> and he's going to I think he's a, a favorite to break 100 yards rushing just based on what we saw now I did notice that um are in the fourth quarter it seemed like you know LA dropped into a zone and was able to uh, you know sort of keep a lid on uh, not LA um, I'm sorry St. Louis was able to drop into a zone and keep a lid on him uh, from a rushing perspective so maybe we see that this week uh, where he's kind of held in check but it's just gashing people left and right. So, I mean, if you, if you say that he's going to score uh, 100 yards rushing and, and hit the bonus there, that's 13 DraftKings points just with his legs. And if he just can throw another 100, 150 yards and an extra touchdown, he's going to be the most valuable player on the slate. Um, so I, I like that. Um, you don't like the opportunity that you have to give up if you, if you don't feel confident Pairing him with any pass catchers, but um, You could just sort of roll with That and then, you know, use that excess Money to pay up for Cam Phillips and pay Up for Trey McBride and pay up for Donald Parham i um, you know, try to squeeze as many of those guys in your lineup as you can without killing yourself. And, um, I think that's gonna be a really interesting way to go, but like we've seen even Taylor Cornelius and Jordan Tamu and Philip Walker and Josh Johnson, all those guys, um, can make a play, uh, towards, uh, you know, the winning lineup, given where their salaries are at. So I don't know. I'm just really interested. I think there's a lot of different ways to slice it, but definitely gonna be interested in building me out some, uh, BJ Daniels lineups
0: now. Okay. There, uh, uh, there's been some talk, and I'm not, I'm not gonna say where, because I don't really, you know. I don't do that whole mystic source thing, but uh, <laughs> I have, I have heard some stuff uh, that says that, that BJ is not that Brandon Silvers will be getting the start. I just oh, don't do that. I me. can't, I can't see that <laughs> happening. I can't, I don't after last How? week, that's what I'm saying. Thank you. I, I just, this is why I don't give credit to that kind of things because when you start saying, well, you know, I totally think that it's going to, no, I, there's no logical explanation for Silvers to start. So I, I'm not going to, I'm only yes, going to so give that, the everything passive.
1: i've said with a grain of salt if that's the case <laughs> right because, uh, that's the way we live we absolutely be the starting quarterback and we need to keep an eye on that for sure
0: let's make it a thing let's hashtag yeah. start daniels uh all right so no love for that's Luis right. perez please and keep take all that Luis perez love yeah. away i don't he, the guy does not have uh, yeah. a high enough floor for me to even want to put on a roster
1: yeah exactly uh, i don't i don't think it's particularly close and and if it's silvers in seattle i don't want to play him either and i really am kind of wanting to maybe limit my exposure to philip nelson as well even though they pass the ball a ton um i just i hadn't seen a whole lot from him that that in, impresses me so yeah I, I like the guys who can score in a multitude of ways and that yeah it makes guys like Tamu. i mean tom is, you know uh really done well and broken 50 yards rushing several times. And so, yeah, I'm interested in guys who can play like that.
0: Amen. All right. We have given – people so much to chew on and so much to start their roster builds with um i certainly hope that everybody can have a green day uh this this weekend because boy it's so nice to see green and it's really nice to see as much green as you got to see uh and and good luck to you again this week i, I hope that you know you have a nice little payday and that someday you can make this the only thing you do
1: <laughs> yeah that'd be fantastic um yeah we're, we're gonna try for uh, first place over and over and over again but you know why don't I just, you know, go ahead and take second this week. I'll let you have first and then we'll just flip flop again and I'll take all the uh, I'll take all the even weeks and you get all the
0: <laughs> <albums>. <laughs> take that deal any day of the week. Uh, all right, Justin, why don't you give everybody a chance one more time to, to find you on social media and find you out there on the web and all the great work you do.
1: Yeah, man. I'm on Twitter at Justin Freeman 18. Um, you can find all my stuff over at numberball.com. Just click on XFL and you'll you'll see it all right there. It's a Friday rundown every week and we usually try to put out some live videos every week. And so uh, also follow numberball at numberball DFS on Twitter.
0: Absolutely. A great follow. I highly suggest it. Again, he's full of, of great knowledge and uh, puts in a lot of work and, and I'd certainly appreciate it. And it's been fun following. Uh, it'll be fun for the rest of the season though. Thanks, Justin.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: So it's Tuesday, and that means you're getting your season-long lineup set up. And of course, we always bring in on Tuesdays, or sometimes Monday, but mainly Tuesdays, Adam Pelletier, uh, who's going to help us get those lineups set. Adam, welcome back.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having me. Excited to be back. Uh, you know, another fun week. We learned more in week four. Uh, some things stayed the same, and some things were just kind of shocking.
0: Ugh, and I can already imagine what one of those shockings were, but I don't think we need to get there quite yet. Uh, man, a lot of, uh, I think a, a guy that sunk a lot of lineups and a lot of scores, um, and certainly a lot of DFS lineups, uh, a guy by the name, well, I guess we'll get there. Might as well. Cam Phillips.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Cam Phillips came in and he'd been, ha- he'd had a monster target share. You know, he was. 34, 30, and then he just craters to eight. And, you know, you're wondering kind of what happened. Um, And it's just one of those things where Dallas probably came in with a plan. We're going to take away Cam Phillips. We're going to make P.J. Walker uncomfortable to go to him. Um, But then you look like Khalil Lewis had a solid day. Nick Holly balled out. And it might have been one of those things where they told P.J. Walker, listen, they're going to try to bait you to throw to Phillips. You know, look at your other guys. You got some talent there. Um, so headed into this week against Seattle, uh, it should be an interesting matchup. Um, Seattle, uh, much better against the run than they are against the pass. You know, they're right about league average are a little worse than league average in passing. Um, they're third in yards against through the air. So that might be something to pay attention to. You know, F- PJ Walker could, and Cam Phillips could be in for a bounce back this week. Definitely.
0: I was going to say you're not benching Phillips. That's for sure. No, no, no. Yeah, no, you're rolling. You you're bench. rolling. <laughs> you're rolling him out there week after week. No matter. You got to take your lumps. And and so that's some good advice to season long players. That I think um, we see it a lot in the NFL too. Is this is the overreaction theater of like, you know, I know he had a bad week, but there are probably people that are like, oh man, do I start Cam Phillips next week? Of course you start Cam Phillips next yeah,
2: week. Yeah, you start Cam Phillips um, right now. Uh, just kind of teaser Um, I'm working on some projections Um, I got him in about the 11 and a half range coming in next week uh, looking at about his usual five catches on about eight and a half targets going to get about 85 90 yards and decent chance he brings in a touchdown you know we all know touchdowns are fluky so I'm not going to sit here and say you know I'm guaranteeing a Cam Phillips touchdown but I will say you know there's a decent chance he comes down with one and obviously that would spike his point production a little bit above that 11 and a half number
0: absolutely but let's talk about those fringe players because those are the guys that i think we really need to pay attention to especially in a flex position because i am not sure how many people and do, did you actually have the or the start numbers uh from from all fantasy sports this week or are we
2: oh you know it oh, i got those every week
0: and that's why we love you but uh khalil <laughs> lewis what was his start percentage this week
2: uh khalil lewis was uh actually over two-thirds started 62 percent Um, So he technically didn't qualify for my waiver wire column this week. Uh, Other guys we're looking at, uh, like Nick Holly. I don't know if people, well, obviously people aren't reading my column because he'd be above 33% started if you'd read it because I've been on him for a couple weeks now. Um, And at this point, if you haven't gone in on Nick Holly, I'm not really feeling all that bad for you because we've all been talking about him. We've all loved him. We've all gushed about him. And PJ Walker loves to go for him. He has this knack to just find that soft spot in the defense. So if you haven't started, if you haven't gone and gotten Nick Holly by now, I don't know what you're waiting for.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. So, I and I guess I can. I, so let me let me just play the the devil's advocate for those people that have not started and or picked up Holly when they say, yeah, but his production wasn't great up until then. And and you're right. Uh, but here's the thing: he should have been somebody that you would have at least had on your roster up until this last week, um, because you know you had to have somebody in that Dallas offense. And I think everybody, I'm sorry, not Dallas in that Houston offense, it's Texas. Uh, you have to have pretty much everybody owned in that Houston offense. Cause you never know who's going to happen. So here is your, here is your invitation to start Holly in a flex spot next week, because he may not blow up for the huge total that he had, but I think the world now knows, uh, the potential of a of a Nate Holly. So I, I think you're good to go if you want to fire him up this week.
2: Yeah, he's been about fifteen percent on the target share, um, peaked at twenty six last week. And the key thing for me is he's actually been over twenty percent on the yardage for Houston. So although he's so he's definitely seeing a lot more yardage production than he is from his target share. So he's someone who's going to make something happen. Um, Going back to those projections again, this is all you know. This is the first week doing them, so you know, big steps here. Let's see what we can do. I got him at about seven and a half this week so that's a solid flex play if you're if you're looking for it um but don't sleep on you know i mean if you need to roll the dice raheem malone sam mobley or blake jackson all are possible starts you just got to be prepared that they're a boomer bust candidate for sure
0: Yeah, that's definite feast or famine, especially in uh, a guy like Raheem Moore, because again, he was sort of not even thought of, and then we heard his name the other day. So uh, you really are kind of taking it. But again, it's on the Houston offense, and you never know when another game could happen like like last week where Cam Phillips gets shut down, and P.J. Walker needs to find other folks.
2: Yeah, I mean, and Blake Jackson brought in a touchdown. You know, I think the three of those guys are kind of at the back end of that Houston offense in the fourth option. One of them will have flex value each week. I couldn't begin to guess and tell you who each week, but I'd say each week one of them is probably going to be good for in that five to eight flex range
0: yeah pull your hair out trying to figure out which one (laughs) yeah exactly uh all right so that's houston's offense uh and i think we've we've pretty much talked through theirs is there any other group of players or or a team that we're going to focus on as far as who we should be uh, looking at as far as your your start percentages were um letting us know
2: uh well obviously you know we're looking at the quarterbacks going into this week because bj daniels and Luis Perez are both out there in leagues. Um, they're both guys you're going to want to go get, especially if you have Brandon Silvers or Matt McGloin. Um, Brandon Silvers had been QB three through last week, solid quarterback, um, You know, the only guy to make all three starts, and he just kind of ran out of time. And BJ Daniels comes in. He's electric. He runs for 84 yards, um, and he's really going to start to open things up if they're going to stick with him. Plus... If you're an owner of any of the three-headed dragon with Trey Williams, Kenneth Farrow, or Jaquan Gardner, you're excited to see B.J. Daniels in because we all know a running back's best friend is a running quarterback. Um, And it looks like Jaquan Gardner might be on the outs there a little bit. He saw a decreased carry, uh, decreased workload last week, Um, but he's still a flex option. But just be prepared. Jaquan Gardner looks like he might be kind of on the out in seattle
0: that was going to be yeah and i'm glad you brought that up because when you talk about that backfield um you know i think we talked about it even before with justin but the you know with trey williams and and jaquan gardner those two came in kind of you know neck and well not neck and neck but the the fact of the matter is now with pharaoh williams and gardner you don't really know who to actually put in uh, every week. And and if you do, the other one's going to go off. So for a guy like Gardner, I think I'd feel comfortable sitting him this week, um, even with BJ Daniels potentially starting. uh, And I say potentially because there's still rumblings that that might not happen. But, um, you know, I, I just I just think that Gardner out of the three is the one to probably sit. If you're going if you have two of the three and Gardner's one of them, I would probably play the other one over Gardner.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And if you're someone who has Jaquan Gardner, someone you might want to look at, Keith Ford has really started to come along there in St. Louis. Um, He's somebody who really has started to do things with the ball, uh, real nose for the goal line. In two games he's played and he's got two touchdowns. Um, You really got to be a fan of a guy who just – every time he touches the field has you know makes a play for the end zone makes something happen uh, you know only seven carries for 49 yards so far but he's averaging seven yards a carry and quite frankly you know Christine Michael has had an anemic 2.3 yards per carry and hasn't been as productive Matt Jones has been solid um, but look for Keith Ford to get more involved in st. Louis especially as they defend the dome this week against a soft. Soft DC defenders defense. DC has been getting gashed on the ground. So if you have Matt Jones, if you have Keith Ford, Christine Michael, start them. If you have Jordan Ta'amu, start him because you know last week was just kind of you know another step down, a step down for them. DC has been averaging over 122 yards against per game. Um, And it's really started to take off in these last couple weeks. You know, they were 266 this week, 56 last week to Martez Carter, and that's down a little bit. And 71 and 97 before that, um, you got to be nervous if your D.C. and your run defense can't seem to stop anybody
0: oh for sure and then you know just we saw what Patrick and uh um, Devon Smith did to them and yeah it, it just stands a reason that I think you're right fire up any running back against that DC offense but let's pull back to the quarterbacks real quick because yeah, one that you you no no it's great tangent we went on uh no so Luis Perez and and I've talked about this and I'm gonna continue to talk about this but is this somebody that we really should have people running to grab? And and maybe they have to because in an eight-team league, you have to have a quarterback, but I'm not sure that I'm ready to to you know run in and grab a Luis Perez. I don't know, because his floor seems so doggone low to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know that his floor is low. I think he has a low ceiling, high floor kind of guy. Um, You know, he doesn't have the high floor of a rushing quarterback, but as far as pocket passers in the league go, guys who aren't going to make plays with their legs, he's got one of the higher floors there. Um, And he's a capable runner. He just didn't have any need to last week because Darius Victor was too busy just running over everybody for New York. Um, And again, eight-team league. You know, you're going to have to start him. Somebody has to start Luis Perez. I mean, there's no backup quarterbacks. I'd rather start over him. And really, I think that might be his low point for the year if they stick with him down the stretch because he's just going to get better and better each week. He's going to develop that chemistry with Mikhail McKay. You know, you can tell they haven't been working together, you know, on that missed deep shot connection. I mean, let's just remember... He hits him there. That's about a ten-point swing for his week, and that's a big change in how we're talking about him today. You that, know, and Mikhail yeah, and Mikael McKay—that's a you know ten, twelve-point swing for his day, and we're talking about both those guys very differently today. If you know Luis Perez throws it a little further, Mikael McKay can just make that fingertip catch on the underthrown scramble drill. Um, so I'm not really worried about Luis Perez. Uh, I think he's going to be in the bottom third of quarterbacks for sure. Definitely in the bottom three, but that's still startable.
0: <sighs> yeah, I know, but I just can't, <laughs> I mean, you we both watched the AAF and we both know how uh, he was with the
2: iron and, and you know, again, you're right. Well, he didn't need to have- I'm not a- going to blame Luis Perez for that. Luis Perez is a guy, I keep wanting to see him with a good offense (laughs) because i'm not going to sit here and try to say that guardians offense is good i think it's going to be capable again i've made it very clear i am not a kevin gilbride fan not a fan of that system um and i think it's one of the more boring and vanilla offenses in the xfl which is a shame because they've got guys like darius victor and mikhail mckay and Austin Duke out there. And I'm just sitting here wondering to myself, what would these guys look like with a better offensive coach?
0: Yeah, Um, that's true. That's true. Well, I mean, I guess we'll never know. At least until next season, and if they decide to stick with them or or, or move on out. But yeah, until then, if you got to fire up Luis Perez, I almost feel like uh, at this point you should probably you know tweet me or DM me your Venmo number so I can give you like six bucks so you can you know buy yourself a beer because you're gonna have a long weekend. Uh, I just I, I hate it for you. So
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's playing Dallas, so not exactly the scariest. Uh, of defenses. Uh, Definitely
0: Dallas that that needs to, you know, produce on offense now that Landry Jones is out too. So yeah, this is going to be kind of more of a balanced game. I think than people are expecting.
2: I think it's going to be a lot more of a back and forth. It's going to be a lot on the ground. Um, New York averaging 113 yards against uh, per game. But also if Phillip, Nelson's going to get it going. It's going to be New York who has the worst passing defense in in terms of yardage right now in the XFL. You know, they may be limiting folks on completion percentage, but they're getting torched on yardage.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's just. I am I keep sighing because it's just the New York offense does not excite me whatsoever. Not, not no. people that I want to go right. Unless Austin Duke is out there. Uh, I would say Austin Duke is a good stash uh, candidate because at some point he's going to get going at some point, maybe Perez is going to find him a little more and he's shown flashes of what he can do. And if Austin Duke is still out
2: there, uh, oh Austin Duke is out there. He's yeah. owned and he was started in less than 3% of leagues. He's out there. I then. was on him last week and I tried not to double dip this week. But I would still be all in on Austin Duke because he's someone who's going to catch the ball and make plays in space.
0: Exactly. And again, they need that now because they're big play shots. They're just not being able to take them the way they want to. And, you know, their running game is good, but... Perez is going to need somebody to to dump to, and I think Duke is one of those guys that'll get you get you those chunk plays and not you know huge plays down the field, but the reliable plays, and maybe the volume will be there within the next couple of weeks. So I yeah I, I say Austin Duke is a good stash
2: candidate for sure. So
0: uh, all right, who else are we looking at there, Adam?
2: Uh, well, it, this is a little bit of a long shot, a little bit of a fringe, but you know we all love a good dart throw. Um, and Saeed Blacknell. No on LA, um less than one percent started last week, but he's really starting to come on as the sneaky deep threat in LA. And that's been an interesting thing to keep an eye on. You know, on the year, he's been targeted seven times, and each time it just feels like it's a deep shot, bomb down the field. Um, and he's someone who I really think Could get a rapport going here with Josh Johnson and really open it up down the field. Trey McBride seems to be working the middle of the field, doing everything for them as a true wide receiver one. Jordan Smallwood on the outside, solid. And then so him, Kermit Whitfield, and Adonis Jennings are all kind of lying in the weeds here, seeing who's going to open up. And Saeed Blacknell seems to have the game that's the most different from those other two. Um, and he's just a capable and he's just a threat to stretch the field a threat every time he runs a deep route to come down with it for a 40 yard gain yeah, people are
0: waiting for Jennings to to do something, and he hasn't necessarily done much yet. He's had a couple of good—I don't want to say outings—I I would say a couple of good showings uh, in in plays. And then Whitfield, I know, is somebody that I said that I thought would get a lot more play with Spruce out, uh, but you know, he didn't. I know Smallwood did, so that was that was a good play. But Whit or Whitfield was going to be the other guy and, and ended up being blackmail. So, um, you know, who, who knows in that bottom of the, but I think you're right. I think if, if, uh, if Saeed's out there, um, you certainly need to pick him up because he could quite possibly turn into that third, that third receiver behind guys like Spruce and McBride. Uh, and, and then maybe even if Brandon Barnes is out there too, we might want to look at him. I don't think he's going to be out there in most leagues, but if somebody, you know, has been, dropped him or, or impatient with him, uh, or maybe even a good trade target, uh, would, would be Brandon Barnes.
2: Yeah. Um, but just, you know, if you're coming in this week, uh, looking for a one week play, I'm avoiding LA right now, uh, going up against that Tampa defense. Tampa has only allowed 163 passing yards through the air, averaging that for yards allowed. You know They held New York to 182, they held Seattle to 91, and they held D.C. to 75. Granted, Houston went for 306 on them, but I don't think L.A. is going to come in and put up 306 on them. I think they're going to be closer towards Seattle or D.C., if we're being honest. I mean, they're just getting after the quarterback. That Tampa line looked dominant on Sunday against the defenders, and it's just a thing of beauty. They get after the quarterback, and they— hit him hard and josh johnson for you know a little bit older guy probably not going to want to be picking himself up off the turf too much <laughs> i highly doubt
0: that although i think glanville was probably just telling go 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 i don't think he was calling plays after a while he was just saying go and then run after everybody because yeah it was it looked like they had a pretty fierce de- uh, defense going on
2: yeah i mean that's been that was one thing that as i sat down to start to look at some numbers this week i was just like they are that good against the pass And it's just, you know, they're twenty yards better than St. Louis, who's second in yards against. And so and they're first in rushing yards against. They're the best defense in terms of yardage, and they're one of the top producing yardage offenses. We might have all been wrong on saying we don't understand the Tampa hype because something there, and they might be able to pull something out down the stretch here if they can keep this stellar defensive performance going.
0: Yeah, Tampa looks like it might be the uh, the surprise team of, this, of the season if they keep, yeah, just getting better and better and better. So let's talk about that. I mean, is there any fringe Tampa uh, offensive weapons that aren't being heavily played that we should probably start looking into playing more often?
2: Uh, DeAndre Gooseby's probably it, um, you know, because they're a very top-heavy team, you know. They've got Dan Williams, who- been targeted 31 times, Jalen Tolliver, 29, Reese Horn, 25, the two-headed snake in the, you know, the two-headed snake in the backfield with Jacques with Jacquez Patrick and Davion Smith. I mean, other than that, we're just all kind of sitting here wondering what's gonna happen. Um, I don't know that there's much beyond those top guys in that offense. It's a very top heavy team. Nick Truesdale might come back, um, and he might carve out a bigger role. And if he doesn't come back, DeAndre Goosby might be solid. We did have our first S.J. Green sighting, though. But one play. once on Sunday. <laughs> so yeah. I know you're excited about that. Uh, I am.
0: Although I am sad because he he did when he got in that one, uh, the play, just before I think the one that he was, well, yeah, the one that he was targeted, uh, they said, Mark Trustman was like, you're blocking, S.J., you're blocking. I was like, no, target him and actually give him a pass. Don't let him, don't make him just block.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's Tampa's might be the clearest, most set offense out there um, in terms of fantasy because they've got their top three receivers, they've got their backs, and they're just going to let those guys go to work.
0: Yeah, and don't know? give up on Reese yeah. Horn either. I'll tell you that right now.
2: No, 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 no never. Um, you know, guy's been targeted 25 times already this year, um, you know, and that's good. You know, that puts him right in the top 10. You know, you've really got to like it for receivers, at least. I know Matt Jones and Lance Tunbar are up there, but we're talking about receivers. Um, You know, you got to like that. He brings them in at a decent clip uh, about uh, he bringing them in at a 72 percent clip. You know, he's bound to pop a touchdown here one of these days. It's just, you know, he's consistent. He's going to get you points each week, you know, and that's a nice flex option for you.
0: I agree. I agree. He's not the wide receiver one or maybe even two that everybody drafted him at right now, as far as numbers are concerned. But uh, I'm pretty sure that given enough time and now with Cornelius in and and maybe a more stable quarterback uh, situation, because I don't know that there's a situation in which Murray is going to see the field for the rest of the season now, especially after the uh, emotion of this first win and and what it means to that team and what it means to that city. Uh, So I think Basically, you're going to see Cornelius from here on out, unless Murray really does well in practice um, and shows, but uh, I think Tampa's got their quarterback now, and I think you can safely roll out as much as you can you know, safely roll out anybody from Tampa. Any Tampa weapons that you have that you may have been sitting on your hands and, and putting on your bench?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that, you know, I think we might have been wrong if we said you know, I know we talked about fading your Tampa weapons earlier, but we, I was definitely wrong on that. I'll, you know, I'll eat crow on that one because Tampa, you know, when you look at the numbers, they've just been phenomenal. And Taylor Cornelius has already established himself as QB four right now. I mean, wow. you know, he's 20 points behind Josh Johnson, but in what, one and a half, you know, one and a half, two games, he's already vaulted over Silvers, Landry Jones, Cardell Jones. Uh, Quentin Flowers, Matt McGloyne, Luis Perez, all these guys who have started more games. <laughs> oh. He just jumped right over the top of them into the QP four conversation. And Landry Jones isn't gonna catch him because Landry Jones isn't gonna play. Brandon Silvers is out, you know. Cardell, who knows what's going on there? He's looked like a disaster the last two weeks. So oh, yeah. it's just it's that's the question.
0: Well, we have a hero and a guy named Corndog. How how awesome is that, huh? <laughs>
2: I mean, you gotta love it. Corn (laughs) Dog is just balling out there.
0: Uh, All right. Well, as we bring this, this uh, edition of our Tuesday episode to a close, are there any last names that people need to be scrambling to the waiver wire for tonight to, to check and see if they're in uh, available in their leagues and uh, you know, potentially maybe flex options coming into this week.
2: Uh, Keith Mumphrey is another guy I'm keeping an eye on in that St. Louis offense. St. Louis has been pretty prolific in the passing game. Um, and he's been competing kind of for that third, fourth receiver role behind Alonzo Russell and the tight end Marcus Lucas. Um, he's definitely reliable. He's going to go catch the ball. He's caught six of his seven targets for 102 yards. You know, he had a big 43-yard big catch this weekend. He's an NFL-caliber receiver, um, you know, trying to find his way back into football after some off the field issues which you know you you should look into um and you should read up on that there's some really good pieces out there that have been written about um his journey how he ended up in the xfl why he got cut by the texans um but you know he's out there looking for a second chance uh been touted as an NFL caliber guy and that's showing true I mean he's fourth on that team in receiving yards at 102 and I think he's just going to start to carve out a bigger role here as I'm not necessarily all that excited about a guy like Alonzo Russell as the number three receiver there in St. Louis.
0: Yeah, he's the guy that kind of fallen, fallen out of favor in my camp too. I, I was really high on him for a while because he did look like he had the potential, but, you know, uh, Demorne personnel is, is such a target monster, and he is clearly the number one there that, uh, you know, Tomu running as much as he does and the, the running game the way it is. Yeah, it's just Russell has not, he hasn't necessarily Turned into the type of receiver that I, I think he could potentially be. So yeah, I think you're right on that. Um, I think I think just before too, the the last thing I'll say is that uh, keep an eye on Marcus Lucas. Don't necessarily pick him up yet, but um, keep an eye on him. You know he's got 10 catches so far this season. Not the most prolific of tight end numbers, uh, but it looks like they're trying to spread the ball around a little bit more as these games get uh, deeper into the season. And you may need value in guys that get targeted a little more especially as uh, as some other options tend to drop off so um just yeah. keep a, a side eye on on the status of marcus lucas and if you can grab him on a, after a week that he does well um you know you could flip him for something or you could start him
2: yourself i mean yeah i think you might want to go grab him i mean he's one of the seven starting tight ends in the league right now <laughs> so you definitely you know he needs to be owned and the fact that he's only started in 26 percent of leagues is a little shocking because Jordan Taamu does like those bigger bodied targets. Um, you see that especially with the fact that LaDamian Washington's putting up numbers, Alonzo Russell isn't small, Keith Mumphrey isn't small, um, his tight end Wes Saxon isn't small. I mean, even his running back, Matt Jones, is not a small man. He's about 6'2, 6'3. And so, you know, Taamu really likes to go to his bigger targets. So I'd be I'd be confident saying Marcus Lucas should be owned in most leagues right now if you have the tight end slot
0: there it is if you yeah if you have a tight end slot or if you're looking for a a flex or just a deep bench stash that's your guy so man all right well we've given these guys a lot to chew on we've given everybody an opportunity to uh you know get their their lineup set before or their waiver wire claim set before the the things run on wednesday so i'd say we did a pretty good job uh, of setting folks up how about you
2: I think so. I think so. Um, you know, and just remember if your waivers do run a little earlier, uh, my waiver wire column does go up every Sunday night. So I've got you with start percent with, uh, guys who are typically under 50% started there. So they're probably available in your leagues.
0: Yep. And remind everybody where to find that stuff.
2: Uh, you can find me over on sports gambling Um, if you just go to the XFL tab, you can see all my work there. You can also check out some sortable XFL stats there. You know, there's a whole bunch of places doing them now. We're going to keep them up over there for the time being. Um, and we'll see how the projections look this this week. Um, I'm kind of beta testing them in private this week. If the model works, you know, keep an eye out. Maybe we'll slip some projections in out to the public next week as well. Outstanding.
0: Adam Pelletier, everybody, again our resident season long and uh you know just overall fantasy guru. So Adam, once again, thanks for imparting your knowledge on the audience and uh for giving us some a lot of good stuff to think about tonight.
2: Yeah, appreciate it. Always a pleasure.
0: That'll end this episode of the Fantasy Central Podcast. And uh, I I just want to say that I'm sorry that it ran a little bit long, but I got to tell you, there was so much great information in this. I could not, for the life of me, uh, shorten it any or even take away from all the greatness that was uh, Justin Freeman, which thank you so much, Justin. uh, And then, of course, Adam, that he just can't kept this short you gotta let it go you gotta let it breathe and uh, I hope you took it all in I hope you got what you needed out of it we covered a little bit of DFS we covered a little bit of season long Uh, I think it was everything packed into an episode that we could get in Uh, so again thanks for coming along on the ride Uh, thanks for continuing to come along on the ride and uh, we are gonna get back after it again tomorrow uh, where we are going to talk some more daily fantasy and some more season long Uh, we'll we'll get some matchups set up and and we'll talk about some optimal plays so yeah it's It'll be another Wednesday edition of the XFL fantasy central podcast. Come on back. Will you? We'll talk to you again tomorrow.